have your Bibles with you, I would invite you to turn to the book of Jonah. Jonah is one of the twelve minor prophets. So you can either turn to Matthew and just go a little bit to your left, or find, usually you could find in your Bible easily Isaiah or Jeremiah and go some to the right. Don't flip too quickly because you go two, three pages and you'll have gone from one minor prophet to another. But we're going to be looking at the book of Jonah these next few weeks. This evening we're going to look at the first three verses and begin delving into this, I think, somewhat familiar book to many of us. What I would like to do here this evening is begin by reading the first six verses so we can hear a little bit more of the context. If you would please give attention to the reading of God's Word. The Word of the Lord is sufficient. The Word of the Lord has authority. And the Word of the Lord is inerrant. Jonah, chapter 1. Now the Word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise! Go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord." But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Thus far the reading of God's Word. Let's pray for His blessing upon it. Dear Lord, we ask that You would open our eyes to Your Word that we might behold the wondrous things that You have prepared for us in it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Jonah. Perhaps one of the most familiar stories in all of the Old Testament. I didn't take a poll beforehand, but my guess is that every single child here knows the story of Jonah and the great fish. Isn't that true? It's, it's a very familiar and exciting story. It's, it's not a surprise then that we see this story used so often in children's materials. We saw it in our own vacation Bible school last summer. It's a story that grips our imagination. It's a story of the miraculous of this prophet of God who's swallowed up by a fish And note, the text says it's a fish, not a whale. 
He's swallowed up by this fish and lives in the fish for three days and three nights. And then is spit back up on the land, whole and seemingly none the worse for it. It's a story that is at the center of the controversy of the Bible. When people think that the Bible is full of errors or is a storybook, they will say, well, you know no one could be live in the belly of a fish. There's no way they could do that for three years. It's so obvious that this is a fairy tale. Maybe there's a lesson in it, but it's a fairy tale. And so we get caught up in defending the Bible and in thinking about the miraculous and and wondering what God does and how He could possibly have a fish that big and how He could do this with Jonah. And this grips our imagination. But Jonah is more than that. The fish is a very small part of the story. Even that period of the three days and three nights that our Lord uses to highlight his own death and burial is not really the centerpiece of this story of Jonah. The book of Jonah is an opportunity for all of us to hear from God. And it is especially a good opportunity for the young ones among us because you already know the story. You don't need to wonder what's going on. You just need to hear what's behind the story. This is the story of the very first missionary to a foreign pagan land. The first prophet who goes off into a foreign land And he wasn't actually very excited about it, was he? This is an opportunity to hear about missions and mission, as God would explain it to us. And so this evening, as we look briefly in this introductory fashion here at the first three verses, we will see three things from this beginning of Jonah's adventure. First, we will see that Jonah is prepared for the mission. We will see him being prepared for the mission. And then secondly, we will see his rejection of the mission. That he rejects the mission that God has for him. And then thirdly, we will see the lesson of this mission. What God wants us to learn about himself, ourselves, and the gospel through this mission and this missionary. Prepared for the mission, the rejection of the mission, and the lesson of the mission. Well, let's begin then by looking at the first verse of this chapter and seeing that Jonah is prepared for the mission. And we see this in that God has a planned purpose for Jonah's life. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah, the son of Amittai, And it says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Now, we need to understand, I think, first, a little bit of the the context in which Jonah operates to understand God's plan for him. Jonah doesn't just pop up out of nowhere. This wonderful story occurs in the midst of other Bible stories that you know. I know that there's a great deal about this story that you know well because we spent a few months learning about it. Because you see, Jonah was a prophet of Israel during the reign of King Jeroboam II. 
the very same king that was king when Amos prophesied. So everything that you know about the time of Amos, that is that Israel was at its military height, that the economy was booming, that there was immorality, that there was wickedness in the rulers of Israel. All of this is happening also at the time of Jonah. He is a contemporary of Amos. He's also a descendant, if you will, of Elijah and Elisha. He follows them in being a prophet of the Lord to Israel. During the time of Elijah and Elisha, there was something called the sons of the prophets. It was kind of like prophet school. I don't know what the entrance exams were like. I don't know if you had to write an essay to get in. But I do know that it was a school where you went along with the prophets day in and day out, and you learned the word of the Lord and were used to teach the people what God had declared. And if Jonah was not in that first generation of the sons of the prophets, he was in the second generation of this. So he was a man who was used by God in a line of people who are used by God. There's even a, we might call it a Jewish fable, that says that the son that Elisha brought back to life of the widow was Jonah. There's no reason to believe that's true, but it gives you an idea of the contemporaneous nature of what is going on here. Jonah himself was from north Israel. He came from a town called Gath Hefer, that is the most northern town that any of the prophets had come from. And he was a very strongly Jewish man. We see this in verse 9 of chapter 1 when he's asked, Who are you? The very first thing he says is, I'm a Hebrew even before he gives his name. He's very proud of being an Israelite. And yet he is the first prophet that is directed to non-Jews. Because you see, this is a part of the bigger picture that God has planned. God wants to send Jonah to Nineveh, and Nineveh is a very bad place. The prophet Nahum decries against it, he calls it a place that is full of blood. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And Assyria was one of the most wicked empires to ever be on the face of the earth. It is said that they tortured their victims. It is said that for his own delight, the king used to rip the lips off of people. And that they would hang skins of their victims out on the city walls. This was not a place you wanted to go to. It was dangerous. And the people were rotten. Who would want to go and be around people that rip lips off? Not me. I'd like to find another place. Isn't there another missions field where like they serve you pie? I will go there. This is where God is sending Jonah. This Israelite patriot is being sent to the place that has been attacking Israel for decades. You see, this is an extension of God's purpose, not just for Jonah, but also for Israel. You see, Israel was called to be not just a kingdom, but to be a missionary kingdom. To be a light for the Gentiles. So that the word of the Lord and the testimony of the Lord would go forth. We saw that in our call to worship this evening, didn't we? In 
Psalm 96. Declare His glory among where? The nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. In First Chronicles, much the same is said. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all the gods. Isaiah in chapter 66, as he ends his prophecy, talks about places of the heathen that know not the Lord, where Israel must declare Him. And ironically, one of those places is Tarshish. This is much what the Lord has for us as His people today. We are to be a light to those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ in our workplaces, in our schools, in our neighborhoods. We are to be the testimony of the Lord in their midst. This is what God had planned for Israel and He had planned it for Jonah. And when God plans these kind of things, He will put us in awkward places. He will send you to your Nineveh. It may not be a town many, many days' journey from here. It may be a place that you don't want to go. This is what the Lord does so that His kingdom will be seen. God not, has not only planned a purpose, He also has a sovereign purpose for Jonah. And we see this in the way that Jonah is called to the ministry. There is a sense in which it's almost humorous how God calls Jonah to this work. It would not be the way that you would recruit someone to be on a church committee. Right? If you want someone to help with fellowship, what do you do? If you want them to work setting up sandwiches, you come alongside them, you tell them how great it is that they serve in the church, and you think they have gifts, and you have this task for them, and it's about of a team, and it won't be that hard, and you could watch us do it first, and, and see that it's not that difficult, and we'll bring you alongside of us, and then we'll enjoy it, and there'll be fellowship and ministry, and etc., right? You don't walk up to someone and say, you, go, do that, now. Get a move on. That's what God does to Jonah here. Don't lose the sharpness of it in the fact that it's a Bible text. God comes with His Word and all of the power of His Word and He says, get up, arise, and go. And by the way, go to Nineveh. Can you imagine how Jonah would take that? It's a sudden call that just breaks into his life. What's he doing? Maybe he's eating some soup. Maybe he's mending some clothes. Maybe he's studying to do some teaching. And God has broken in and interrupted his life and has given him a new command to go and do something. Has God ever done that for you? Maybe it's not a call to go. Maybe it's a test result from the doctor. Maybe it's a challenge with your children. Maybe it's a test that you're not prepared for. God breaks into our lives because our lives are according to His purpose, are according to His agenda, not ours. And Jonah is learning this. It's not just a sudden call, it's a hard call. <clears throat> he tells Jonah to go to a place that he doesn't even know where it is, likely. It's distant. We said it's a violent place. And it's not a place where he's likely to get a good reception. Right? 
What would you think if I said, we're not going to have, we're not going to have a meal after the service? What we're going to do is, I'm going to assign each one of you a store at the Katie Mills Mall. And you're going to stand in front of the store and you are going to declare to people that they are wicked and must repent or they will be destroyed by God. Any takers? Would that be an enjoyable series of conversations you might have at the mall? Would it go smoothly? Or would it go more like this? Who's that nut? Who does he think he is? What does she think she's doing? Where does she get off telling me who I am and what I can do? Right? You'd be met with mocking. That's what Jonah has to be prepared for. He's going into the heart of the anti-God empire. It's not just a pagan empire. It is the empire that is attacking the place where God's people are found. It's dangerous and it's not exactly a place built for success. It's a sudden call. It's a hard call. But it's also a very particular call too, isn't it? God didn't just say to Jonah, I think you need to do kingdom work. Talk amongst yourselves and see what that might look like. I think you need, I think you're called Jonah for Foreign mission service. Why don't you open up the CIA fact book and which country speaks to you, where you might be gifted, where you would know the language, and you choose, Jonah. No, he doesn't, does he? He says, you need to go to Nineveh, that great city, that great city that is so wicked that its wickedness has cried out to me, and you need to declare to them my truth. A very particular call. God does that with us. It's the reason God gifts us in certain ways. It's God's sovereign purpose. But there's also a great privilege in this purpose that God has given to Jonah. Jonah had served God for years. He was a successful prophet. You see, this is not the only place in the Bible where we meet Jonah. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd invite you to turn very quickly with me to 2 Kings. I told you that this is occurring during the reign of Jeroboam. And we see this in 2 Kings chapter 14. We read this about Jeroboam II. In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria. And he reigned for 41 years. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. He restored the border of Israel from Lebo Hamath as far as the Sea of the Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel. So he expanded his borders according to what God had done. God had shown mercy to this wicked king and this wicked kingdom by breaking in with his word to change the course of this kingdom from one of decline to one of ascendancy. And what did he do in this? How did he do it? Who did he use? He used his word which he spoke by his servant Jonah the son of Amittai, the prophet 
who was from Gath, Hepham. No way you can mistake it. Same name, same father, same town. Jonah was a successful prophet. He had seen God change people. He had been privileged to see the blessing that God had brought through him. This is a man who should have been encouraged and ready to go for the Lord. He should have been eager to go wherever the Lord had sent him because he had seen blessing and was prepared and knew the great purpose of God. God says, arise, get up, Jonah. And Jonah does. But there's only one problem. It's said sometimes, humorously, that the devil is in the details. Well, that's true here, literally. Because God says, arise, Jonah, and go west. And Jonah says, yes, Lord, here I go east. He gets ready to go in the exact opposite direction as far as he can possibly get from Nineveh, as far as he can possibly get from God and His Word. He rejects the mission because he first rejects God's Word. God's Word was clear to him. It broke through. God's Word was real to him. God's Word had brought responsibility to him. There was no mistaking what he was to do. God did everything but draw him a road map with way stops. You know, we often say at times that we have difficulty obeying the Lord because we don't understand what He wants from us. We don't understand His commands in His Word. Jonah reminds us that we're kidding ourselves. Because the reality is, we don't obey not because we don't understand, but we don't obey because we do. We know God's demands on our lives. We know God's insistence on our obedience and His sovereignty and His plan and purpose. And we don't like that because God doesn't always do what we think would be the smart thing to do or the easy thing to do. And so like Jonah, we think we know better than God and we go in the opposite direction. Because you see, that's why Jonah left. You might think Jonah might be afraid of Nineveh. I would be. You might think he might be concerned about the great difficulty, but we don't read about that in this book. As a matter of fact, later we will see Jonah's reason for not going is because he is sure God will do what he says he will do. He's sure God will be merciful. And Jonah has seen this mercy, remember, to wicked people in Israel. And Jonah does not like the idea of mercy being visited upon people that he doesn't like and doesn't think deserve it. Now, this can hit us close to home, can it? Do you pray regularly for repentance and mercy and life upon militant homosexuals? Upon thieves? Murderers, terrorists, nations that seek to destroy us. Do you pray daily that God would visit Iran and North Korea and the Sudan? Because that's Nineveh. 
You see, oftentimes we are tempted as Christians that we don't like other people that get in the way, that mess up our version of Christianity, that make our lives difficult, that give us challenges. So like Jonah, we can reject God's will in favor of our own. And the real problem there is God... Jonah does not just reject God's word. In doing that, he rejects God because he arises to go, and it's not just that he wants to get away from Nineveh. We see that. We can look at a map. Nineveh, that way. Tarshish, that way. But what does the text tell us? He arose to get up to go where? Away from the presence of the Lord. Literally, away from the face of the Lord. Jonah wants to get as far away from God as he can. Think about that. A successful prophet who was a vessel of God's word, who had seen God's mercy and wanted God's glory, can't wait to get away from God because God gets in the way of his plan. This is Jonah. And he goes and he goes to Joppa, a place where he hopes he won't see any Israelites, where he won't hear from God ever again where he can get on a ship and never be heard from again. And we can almost imagine Jonah does what you and I do when we're faced with a challenge that we don't like. He becomes as busy as you could possibly be. He packs a bag. He counts up all his money for the fare. He gathers a lunch. He says his goodbyes. He's ready and he's moving and he wants to get out and away from God. But it's foolish. Even Jonah knows it's foolish. He describes himself in verse 9 as a Hebrew who fears the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. How in the world can Jonah think he can get away from God? He's not just turning his back on God, he's turning his back on his own confession of who God is. It's foolish. So what do we learn then from this? What can we see in this from Jonah? There is a lesson here. Why does Jonah leave and not go to Nineveh? First, it's fear. It's fear of what God may do. Not fear of the circumstances, but fear of how God is in control of his life. Second, there is a difficulty. There is a challenge here that Jonah is not prepared for because he has not thought it up. And this leads most importantly to the reason why, and that is that Jonah wants control. Jonah's glad for God's kingdom to advance as long as it looks like Jonah's version of God's kingdom. We can fall into that. Another lesson here is it shows us that Jonah has ignorance. He is ignorant of the gospel of God and of himself. He's ignorant of the gospel because he is seeking to protect his own lifestyle. He sees what God is doing as a threat to his lifestyle, his view of religiosity, his view of religion and God, rather than as a mission field. He doesn't have the view, I should go to Nineveh. If I could reach .00001% of the population, do you imagine what that would look like? Do you think that way? Do you see the world as a place of mission? And of encouragement. He's also showing his ignorance of God because the whole purpose of the God of Israel is that he is not a tribal deity. He is not the God of the Ninevites or the God of the Hivites or the God of the Perizzites. They all have their own gods. 
But the God of the Bible is the God of everyone. But Jonah's acting like he's not the God of Nineveh. He's only the God of us here in our little enclave. Do you see God that way? Is God bigger than us sitting here? Is God bigger than if we pack them in so we can't breathe in this room? Is God bigger than that? God is the God of everyone. Finally, he's ignorant of himself. Because you see, he should have been reminded of his own need for redemption, of his own sin, of his own lack, and said, there's a sense in which these Ninevites are just like me. They need redemption too. And you see, this ignorance is the problem. It stops Jonah from seeing God and his purpose. There's a solution here for this, for Jonah, and for you and for me. And that solution is to think God's thoughts after him. To see the world the way God sees it. To see the mission the way God sees it. To see the value of the body of Christ in this mission, in encouraging one another. What would have happened if instead of getting up in the middle of the night and running to the train station, boat station as it were, if Jonah had gone to his fellows at the Sons of the Prophets and asked them for encouragement and for prayer and for help, where might he have gone? There's a reason why God has given us the body of Christ. Lastly, it tells us the value of prayer. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah. But one thing we don't see in this text is Jonah ever seeking the Lord in prayer. Seeking to understand what God is doing. When you face difficult challenges, when you see things that are beyond your ability... When you look down your calendar at the week and you see a humongous fish ready to swallow you. Don't run the other way. It's probably God's fish. But instead, think, what would God have me do? Seek the Lord in prayer and surround yourself with His people to face the challenges of the day in a way that glorifies the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask this evening that you would teach us the lesson of Jonah, that we would be reminded that you are Lord and you are sovereign. We thank you, Lord, the way that you feed us with your word. Please bless us as your people. For Christ's sake, amen.